0: Grace kids, you're dismissed. Thank you, guys. Excellent music. Excellent. Well, it's 2024. It's a brand new year. We got to do this again? Yes, we do. 2024. I know a lot of us out there hope this one's a better one. Right? I'm there with you. I wanted to start this year off with well, a sermon I think is extremely important, yet practical, um, something every single one of us needs, and it's called Receiving God's Guidance. If you look at your bulletin there, you'll see we got the crossroads. I don't know how many of you have ever been there, but I have found myself at the crossroads more times than not, needing some form of direction, some form of, of guidance, somebody help me. And I believe all of us here today are going to need uh, God's guidance, especially this year. So, if you're in your Bibles, please turn to Psalm 32. Psalm 32. We're going to focus just on a few verses today, only 11, but um, important, important verses. Now, this psalm church family, this psalm is full of instruction for the child of God. Christians, we constantly come to the crossroads in our lives, and we need to know which way to go, which way to turn. Can we be sure of making right decisions? That's a question. Can we be guided into making right decisions? And there's another one. Our key verse today is going to be found in verse 8 of chapter 32 these words in particular i will counsel you with my eye very important i will counsel you with my eye in this short sentence which is a promise from the lord we find that he is assuring us of his readiness excuse me of his readiness and his willingness to guide us now, the title of this psalm, as you can see in your Bibles, is called a maskil of David. Okay? What this means is, it's in, within the psalm here, it's, it, it's a song of instruction. It is a song of wisdom. In other words, it is imparting wisdom to us. That's what that means. And this is what we are receiving today from God. He is imparting wisdom. His wisdom to us through this Scripture. And the goal, what is the goal? Well, it's that you and I become more receptive to His guidance. Now, if you look in Scripture, all throughout the Bible, we can see different forms of how God has guided. We see the pillar of smoke, right, the pillar of fire that led the Israelites we can see um, the Urim and the thumim, that which was part of the priestly garments of the chest plate. There, we don't know exactly how it works, but it indicated God's will, and they knew exactly how to respond, if you will, through that. Um, there were the casting of lots in Scripture the casting of lots. Joshua did that with the territories. Uh, There were dreams. People had dreams. People had visions. There were prophets that spoke the very words God wanted them to communicate, and of course, angels. Now, but what about us? These are things we see in Scripture, but we don't experience these, do we? So how do we receive God's guidance, or you know what, are we even receptive to receiving His guidance? That's what we're going to start uh, talking about today, and this is how we're going to start our year off together. So look in your Bibles today, Psalm 32. I'm going to read the first six verses, Psalm 32, 1 through 6. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Selah. I acknowledge my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave me the iniquity of my sin. Selah. I'm going to explain that word in a minute. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. All right. In the very first part of this psalm, we have three words defining sin. We have transgression, sin itself, and iniquity. And we'll see these all throughout the Bible. But here, our psalmist is explaining exactly what he's been mixed up in, and he's trying to convey this to his audience. But look at the words attached to each one of these Christians, forgiven, covered, and counts or no charge. Transgression is forgiven. Sins are covered. The iniquities, he does not count. There's no charges against you. This is a beautiful thing the psalmist is, is, is explaining to us. And he says, Happy is that person. Blessed is that person. Because we can easily deceive ourselves in our bony framework. Of organs and tissues and muscle, we house a spirit. And that spirit can be deceptive. We can be deceptive. The Bible tells us our heart is deceptive. We don't need help. We can deceive ourselves. But here's what's awesome the forgiven life, the forgiven life needs no more deceit to cover one's ways. And you may think to yourself, whoa, I don't wanna cover my sin. You absolutely have. Let me talk about David. You know, David was a man after God's own heart, but you know David was a sinner. And we have some of his sin. One of the most famous, of course, is with Bathsheba. Uh, David had sinned against God by committing adultery with a woman named Bathsheba and, of course, the murder of her husband, Uriah. I'm not going to go into the whole story, but there you go. There's the cliff notes. He was living a double life. King David, a man after God's own heart, he was living a double life, and he was attempting to cover up what he had done. He was deceiving himself greatly. The prophet Nathan was sent to David to call him out on his sin, because God will do that. God will place people in your lives to call you out. Nathan did that. And David came to confession. David came to repentance. And David came to the receiving of forgiveness, which is why he is calling himself and anyone else blessed. Happy is that person who is receiving this. Because in this text, David talks about a heavy hand. A heavy hand. David remembered the misery in his sin, the double life he was living. He remembered the misery, both his mental and spiritual state, when he kept silent. I don't know if you can recall keeping silent about habitual or sin in your life. If you've kept silent, you'll understand what David's talking about. It becomes a misery. He felt oppressed, he felt dried up, he just felt old. Church family, stress, anxiety, sickness can all be a part of God's heavy hand. But what David is experiencing, like so many of us, is conviction. It's conviction. Have you ever experienced conviction in your life? Like David. If so, can I tell you the good news? This is good. It's a good thing. Think about it. I know you're saying, whoa, God's heavy hand upon me, experiencing conviction over sin. You're telling me that's a good thing? I absolutely am. Because this demonstrates that David belonged to God. It demonstrates that you belong to God to God. And that is very good news. We can try to hide from God. I don't know if you ever have. I have. We can try to hide from God. You know what else we can do? We can attempt to hide our sin from God. We can make that attempt. It's in vain, but we can do it. But you know the truth is, you cannot run from the Lord. You can't. There is no place that he will not seek you out and find you. You can't hide sin. You can't cover it up. It's like bright noonday to him, he sees all. So you can't run from the Lord. So the relationship that he had with God under that covenant, that relationship, which is precious here at Grace Fellowship, right? We focus on our relationship with God, it's precious. In his relationship with God, God would not allow him to remain comfortable living in this way. He would not allow him to continue in unconfessed sin or habitual sin. And that is a good thing. We look at it as a harsh reality, but it's a good thing when God will not allow you to remain comfortable living in in sin because you belong to him. David was miserable. David was drying up. So instead of covering up his sin, he acknowledged God and allowed God to cover his sin. Isn't that such a better way to go about it? Instead of you trying to hide it, let God cover it up. But he had to acknowledge it. You may be thinking, Pastor Mark, what in the world Does this have to do with guidance? I thought you were going to talk about guidance. I'm excited to be guided. Well, i got to tell you, this is paramount. It is a huge part of it. See, this is God's work. This is God's work. Forgiving transgression. You didn't do that. It's God's work. Covering of sins. You tried it. It didn't work. God covering it. God's work. No charges. I'm not pressing charges. There's no charges, charges filed. But I'm gonna, I'm not, I don't want to count this against him. Iniquity, gone. It is God's work. We see this all in first one. You know what? We live in a pretty entitled world right now. And when I say that word, I know a lot of you can think of the things in the news and social media. We live in a pretty crazy world right now. Folks, i got to tell you something. Everything I've talked about thus far... We are not entitled to it. We do not deserve it. We, are not, we don't have the right to claim this. This is given freely. This is love. This is given to us in grace from a God who wants to help us. It's not like, oh, I'm entitled. This belongs to me. I have a right to this. No, this is a beautiful, beautiful gift. Our help does not come from us. In fact, Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. And what does it say? Who made heaven and earth, the creator of all things. That's where our help comes comes from not the self. Have you ever taken a look at the self-help industry? <laughs> Let's just talk about our country. Yeah, it was huge in the '80s and '90s, but you know what's still going on. The self-help genre. It is a billion-dollar industry. Every year, it brings in billions, seminars, sessions, videos, books. Go to a bookstore. I know we have a, still a few bookstores left. There's the self-help section is huge. Why? Because everybody wants to be happy. Everybody wants joy, everybody wants betterment. Their physique, their finances, their marriage, I want everything to be better. But you know what the problem is with the self-help section? It's the word self. Let me explain. Everything in that self-help section is designed for someone to say, you know what, happiness, yeah, I deserve it. So I'm going to take it at any cost. Joy, I'm entitled to that. I am entitled to happiness. I'm entitled to joy. I have every right for betterment in my life, and I'm going to take it because it belongs to me. What a horrible horrible attitude and outlook. That's your self-help section, and it involves the self. The godly, and David talks about it. He says it right here in our Scripture. The godly know better. The godly are to offer prayers to God in order to keep the relationship in order. Happiness, joy, betterment, they come from this relationship. Not what some author thinks, it comes from a relationship. It's the godly order to protect the communion and the connection to God. Because like floodwaters, David says this, like floodwaters, uh, the overwhelming trouble, the overwhelming disaster uh, the psalmist here was facing as the result of sin, who's going to come to God in that situation? Right? Who's going to come to God in such a time? In a backslidden, compromised, double life, who will turn to God while they are trying their hardest to hide from God and come uh, hide their sinful acts from Him? Who's going to do that? Like a rush of floodwaters. We have to find them. You know, we allow, well, here lies the problem. Herein lies the problem. Sin, it separates. Sin separates. Sin erects a barrier between the person and God. We do this. We do this. If you want to go back to self, we do this. God is waiting on us. God is waiting on us while we do this. And until the barrier is torn down, And until the separation has been restored, how can we turn to God and allow him to guide us in this life? How? The relationship must be mended. This is what he's talking about. David is expressing in the first part of this psalm today, this is what he's talking about. A mended and secure relationship. Fellowship restored. Folks, we all allow pain and hurt and sorrow and desire to interfere. We do. The self, we're all guilty of that. Erecting barriers between ourselves and God, it's easy to do when we allow pain and hurt and sorrow and, again, personal desire to erect barriers, to separate us. And this is what David is expressing. A mended and secure relationship. Because if you want to receive God's guidance, this is the first part. He learned this. He learned this greatly. This story teaches us about this restored fellowship. So let's move on to our next verse. We're in verse seven, Psalm 32 7. You are a hiding place for me, you preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Selah. All right, let me explain this word. It could be pronounced two ways, Selah or Selah. That's up to you. Why there's, abs- there's not an accurate or absolute definition for this word, scholars have researched it and know that the use of it can be lift up and praise. It's true. But really... In the, uh, in the book of Habakkuk and in the book of Psalms, we see it as a piece of music notation, as if you were reading music. It's, it, it means to pause or to rest. The singers are not to continue on. They're to stop, and I think it's a combination of all of it. They're to stop and ponder what's just been read, to ponder and lift up and praise God for what's been said. We think on it. That's what that word means, just so you know, because it's in quite a bit of the Psalms and, of course, Habakkuk. So that's what that means. And it's, it's good when we read that. That's a good verse to reflect on, isn't it, to think back? So let's talk about this hiding place. Because if you think about David for a second, especially when he was fleeing from Saul, fleeing from his enemies, he, this is not talking about hiding, right, from his enemies, it's not talking about a cover-up a cover or taking cover, if you will. It's not that. This hiding place is so much more. And this is our hiding place. Here it is. It is a celebration. I'm going to speak from David. This is a celebration in the protection that David now felt as one who gloried in his relationship with God under his care and watchful eye. Let me say it to us. Our hiding place is a celebration for you and I in the protection that we now feel because we can glory in our relationship with God because we are under his protective care and under his watchful eye. He is our hiding place. Let me put it even more into to human terms, I'm talking about running to it. Think about any form of danger you choose. Use your imagination. Any form of danger that's coming after you, a mass murderer, a pack of wild dogs, your mother-in-law, <laughs> any form of danger. Mine's going to be lions. You guys know I'm terrified of the big cats, right? Right? I do not like the big cats. I was so close to one that time. I Remember, I told you, it spit on me. I do not like lions. So if a form of danger is coming towards me, do I stand there and just allow that danger to overtake me? Or do I want to escape that danger? Any human being here is going to say, the danger I'm thinking about, Pastor Mark, yeah, I very much want to escape. So we see a hiding place. It's visible. We can see it. We just have to run to it. Here comes the danger. There's my hiding place. Do I stand here and wait for the hiding place to come and cover me, or do I run to take shelter? Do I stand here and wait for the danger to overtake me that I'm terrified of? No, I don't wait for the danger. I run with everything in my being to that hiding place to take shelter to be protected from danger. Ladies and gentlemen, that is what it is to run to God. You are either running from God, or you are running to God. And David knew both. David knew both. And I believe each and every one of us here know exactly what I'm saying what it means to run from God and to run to God. He is our hiding place. This goes beyond salvation. Oh, so many Christians stop at salvation. Yeah, I was saved 35 years ago. I don't go to church or read the Bible, but I was saved. Oh, I got baptized or sprinkled as a kid. I don't know what to do with that because it goes beyond salvation. Folks, we choose to follow God. Just like we choose to take up our cross daily, denying ourselves, right? Surrendering all to God. Remember the song we sang, I Surrender All? Surrendering ourselves. It's a choice we make to continue to follow God daily. It doesn't stop after salvation. That's just the beginning. The saved, you and me, the saved are positionally sanctified, What I mean is the position that we hold, we are declared righteous by the blood of Jesus. We are declared that in the eyes of God, we have been made right because of Jesus. That's the position we hold, but it doesn't stop in that position. Because guess what? It's not the end of it. Each of us have a life to live. Do you stop living life right then? No, we have a life to live. So we travel along a path of what we call progressive sanctification, means we are continually growing. We are continually maturing. We are continually being made more and more like Christ. It is a path that we all walk. And this is where we find ourselves on this path, clinging, clinging to our hiding place. While every believer is positionally in Christ We should all make it our goal, and please hear me. Please hear me. We should all make it our goal to live more experientially in our hiding place. And what I mean is, as we progress, we want it to become our practice. We want it to become our habit, our doctrine, our mindset to nurture and care for our relationship, to care for our fellowship. So that we are open to his guidance and counsel for our lives. Everything we've talked about in these first seven verses is just preparing us to be open for God's guidance now. Now we can receive it because we understand we have a mended and restored relationship. And we understand that he is our hiding place and that we choose to follow him for the rest of our days as long as we walk on this earth, being made more Christ-like, that we are walking with our God, not only positionally sanctified, but progressively. And in this walk is where we are calling for help. From help, from the God, the creator of heaven and earth, we are calling for help here. Our key verse, look at it, Psalm 32, 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Man, that's huge. All right, there's three ways to look at this. Well, there's only one way to look at this, but let me tell you what scholars do. There's three views. Some people think this, this is the psalmist's words. This is the psalmist continuing to speak and that he is going to convey this message to his audience. There's some people that believe, no, this is God answering David, answering back and responding to everything that's been said. And there's those that believe, know that God is speaking through David to his people because we know in Psalm 51, there's a verse in Psalm 51 that says, I will teach transgressions your way. I will teach the transgressors your way. Excuse me. Meaning he's going to teach the people that are living wrong God's way. So here's the deal with this verse. No matter which way you look at it, ultimately it is God's counsel. We're talking about God's instruction, his watchful eye. David could have easily relayed this to his audience, but I'm going to tell you, you and I are not guided by David today. David is not who is instructing us. We can learn from David And what he's done wrong, but he is not teaching us or instructing us. This is God doing it. It's his eye that we are to watch. It is his leadership that we are to follow. It's his guidance that we are to receive. So ultimately, this is God's guidance speaking to all people. Not only David, not only his audience, but to us as well. Can I give you an awesome example of what I'm trying to say Years and years ago, before Caroline, uh, Caton and Jackson, oh, they were, I don't know, they were tiny. And um, we went camping, Goldhead State Park, hands down, best camp site in Florida. We went camping for a long time because it was a spring break and an Easter vacation combined. I think that's what's happening this year, isn't it? I think spring break and Easter is combined this year. It was a long vacation. So we were camping in Goldhead and Easter came. So we hid a bunch of eggs for the little kids. And you know, they're tiny. I mean, they're just tiny. And this is when they actually liked me So because um, they're teenagers now. I don't know what happens, but it does. So anyways, we're hiding eggs. Some are easy. Yeah, here. It's right there in the grass. Good job. And some we hide a little tougher. And the tougher ones, what happened is what I would do is I would get down and say, Kate or Jackson, because I, I did it with both. I said, look at Dad. Look at Dad. And when they would look at me, I would do my eyes to the side. They'd make eye contact, and I would go to the side or to this side. Now, what was awesome is the kids looked at their father straight in the eye, and they watched my eyes motion to the direction I wanted them to go. They couldn't find the egg yet. They didn't know where it was. But they obeyed and went that direction with a smile on their face. So as they headed that direction, eventually they found what they were looking for. Now, I'm telling you right now, I believe that is exactly how it works when God says, I'm going to counsel you with my eye. We have to look at him, and you're going to go, how do we look at God? No one's even seen him. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit and his word. We can look into the eye of God and allow him to direct us, just like I did to my children. Go this way or go that way. You'll find it, but I want you to go this way. I believe it's that. That kind of love, that kind of intimacy with our precious God, that relationship, I believe He guides us through the Holy Spirit and His Word. Let me give you some verses. Psalm 119, 105, famous. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Let me stop right there. That path. Do you remember the progressive walk, that progressively sanctified life that we're all living until we see glory? until we meet Jesus, here we are. The path is lit. It's God's Word who lights that path. Therefore, I know where my direction is coming from if the Word of God is lighting my path. Here's something else. The very first Psalm, verses 1 and 2, Psalm 1, 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. God's word we take delight in. We're separate from those others, the sinners, the wicked, the scoffers. We're over on this side of the shore And we are delighting in the Word of God, and we're meditating on it day and night. Why? Because it's going to light our path, and we need that path lit. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 13. I'm going to read it. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person, which is in him? We are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. So also, no one can comprehend or no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, thank you, Jesus, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Are you a spiritual being? Absolutely. Do you belong to God? You know it. Folks, looking into the eye of our Father and saying, yes, which way, Jesus? Which way do I go? We have the Holy Spirit in His Word that is directing us. Are we turning to Him? Are we allowing God to counsel us with His eye? Let me tell you something. The promise of guidance is in Scripture. You have an all-powerful, all-knowing God that has past, present, and future right before Him. You have your Creator who knitted you in your mother's womb, who knows every inch of your being. He already knows He wants to prosper you. He wants the best for you. Why wouldn't you turn to Him? But we don't. Let's talk about the nature, the nature of this guidance. It's divine. It's not human. It's divine. You have a God, an all-powerful God, who's willing and able to bestow this guidance upon you. So God, everything's set. It's us. There's a condition. There is a condition for you and I. If we're truly going to be receptive, there's a condition, and I'm going to tell you, it's tough. It's humility, and it's the act of submission, being submissive, humble and submissive, a surrendering of who you are to God. Again, I go back to the songs we sing today. It fits perfect. It's a surrendering. Now, Psalm 25.9 says this. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. I'm going to tell you now, if I had every dollar in this world, I would spend it right now on this because I want to do what's right, and I want to know God's ways. I want to follow exactly what he wants. Everything I have, I'd give to him here. Now, but it doesn't cost anything because I'm not entitled to it. I don't deserve it. It's not a right. It's freely given. This is amazing I can come to God in humility, and He is going to direct me. I can submit my life to Him, and He's going to teach me His ways. I want that. That's the life I want to live as I progressively walk this path until I meet my Lord and Savior. What about this verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? You know this verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your path. I want that straight path. The very path that I'm walking that I also want to be lit so I don't trip and fall, so I walk the straight and narrow, I want to acknowledge God in every way so that path is straight. I'm delighting in his law already. I'm delighting in his word. I'm meditating on it. Why don't I allow it to guide this life? You can trust in yourself there's millions and millions of what they're doing. You can go to any bookstore and hang out with them in the self-help section. We are not to trust in the self. We are not to trust in our own understanding. We are to lean on our God and acknowledge him in everything. I want straight and lit paths when I walk. God's guidance, that's what he does. I had a great concern a few years back. I want to give you a real-life experience. I can't tell you what it was, but I'll give you all the other information. Real life experience. I had an issue. I had a problem. I had trouble. I named it, okay? Pad of paper, pen. I named my issue. I could have Googled it. I could have called friends and said, hey, what do you do in a situation like this? There's, I could have gone to some app and watched a video session. There's a hundred different ways to look at this. I went straight to God's word. I'll tell you why. Because in this position, I was terrified. I was humbled greatly. So I came crawling basically to God, tail between my legs on all fours. Submission, humble. I found so many verses to my issue. I picked nine. I picked nine verses and I wrote them out by hand. There's the name. There's my problem. I wrote every verse out by name. I read those verses for days. I looked at my issue. I knew my heart. I read those verses. I looked at the name. I knew my heart. I felt what I felt. I read those verses. I read those verses, and I read those verses. I allowed God to shape my mindset. He corrected my conduct. He corrected my speech. He corrected my outlook and how this would impact me. How am I going to respond? I am now going to respond in a godly way because I went straight to the source. That's how God can guide you. I was convicted greatly by the Holy Spirit. I was troubled, and I went to God's Word. And those nine verses, I can still remember them. They helped me so much. I didn't need another man or woman to say, you know what you should do, or you should try this. No, God told me exactly where I was wrong and how I should respond. That's a real-life experience, guys, where I had to go to my hiding place, cling to God, and mend the relationship and ask for guidance. And he responded so well. Let's look at our last verses, 32, 9 through uh, through 11. Because here's how we are most of the time. "'Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord.'" Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Church family, these animals are not easily guided without the bit and bridle. They're they're not guided without training. I challenge you to walk up to a wild horse or mule and call them over to you. They are not trained. You need bit and bridle. Now, here's the problem. We are like these animals. Various trials, pain, sorrow. God puts us in this place in order to bring us back. Do you know because you belong to God? If you're straying, if you're walking away, He will cause something to bring you back. David understood this. See, he was like a stubborn animal like we can all be. He was like a stubborn animal that could only be guided through pain or through the severity of a situation. God speaks to us through David's experience, and he says, do not be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding. Come to me humbly. Come to me submissive. Don't run from me. Run to me. Don't fight me. Don't hide from me. Come to me. See, in the end, and David expresses this so well, in the end, we are compelled to be glad and rejoice. We are compelled to shout for joy for so many reasons. For so many reasons. But in the text today, we see that forgiveness, the release from guilt and shame, uh, for our restored fellowship with our God, for his protection and his guidance as we hide in him, all of these reasons, we come full circle back to what David was stating in the very first verse of why the believer is blessed. We come right back to the beginning of this chapter as to why the believer is blessed because he has been forgiven. She has been made right. Fellowship restored. Scripture says, I will counsel you with my eye. 2024, crossroads. It's inevitable that we'll be standing there. I will counsel you with my eye. Folks, we've got to be open to the Spirit's direction. We have to be open to the Word lighting our path, making that path straight. Because we all know that we still have plenty of roads to navigate, don't we? A lot of crossroads to navigate. But the relationship has to be right. We have to find God as our hiding place in order to receive that guidance. We will need counsel. We will need direction. We will need to be guided. Now David has demonstrated this for us. But it's God. Listen, the godly. Let me just finish here. It's a prayerful act. The godly are called into a prayerful act that we practice as we walk this life's path, as we find God as our hiding place. This is a practice, looking into God's eye for direction. It's a practice, and we have the rest of our lives to continue growing in this Yes, David has demonstrated this for us. But ladies and gentlemen, it is God who is teaching us how to receive his guidance. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for your spirit. Lord, we know that you gave us the most awesome gift in Jesus Christ. We talked about this all throughout Christmas. And Jesus did not abandon us when he ascended. He left us another beautiful gift, the Holy Spirit. And Father, we have the complete canon. We have the whole word at our fingertips, God. We know that this is how you lead us, and this is how you guide us. Father God, this is what I'm praying for, for every heart beating in here today, Lord, that for this brand new year, 2024, Lord, that we become more and more receptive to receiving your guidance for our lives. Lord, let relationships be mended. Let us find ourselves identifying in you and hiding in you, clinging to our God. Let us find ourselves prayerfully petitioning you, requests, asking you for your help. And lead us through your word, God. Lead us through your spirit. We want to be directed by you. The path we want to be lit by you. The path we want made straight by you. Let us break down the barriers that separate us from you and restore these relationships so that we can receive your guidance. The ultimate goal for all of this is for each and every Christian believer to come back to you. That's what I'm praying for, God, right now. There's many in our congregation, Lord, that are separated from you. I pray over their hearts, Lord. I pray over the barriers to be broken down, and I pray, Lord, for them to see who you are and to cling to you once again, to run to you, Father God. My prayer is for them right now, those that are lost, those that are confused. Lord, I pray that they return to you. Let them respond, Father God, so that you can continue to grow them and guide them in this life. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for Jesus. Father, we pray all these wonderful things in your name, amen.